Understanding something as complex as planet Earth requires a lot of data. Every second of every day, orbiting satellites are snapping photos of Earth, collecting huge libraries of unprocessed information. But that's not the end of the story. It takes a lot of work to turn that raw information into usable data, and then that data into hard science. How that happens is this week's Physics Central podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. Geologist John Amos started his career processing some of these satellite photos of Earth for coal companies. But since he founded SkyTruth in 2001, his focus has shifted. Uh, we're a little nonprofit organization in West Virginia that uses satellite imagery and remote sensing as tools to engage people on environmental issues and increasingly to give them ways to participate directly in science. They specialize in turning satellite photos of planet Earth into usable data for environmental scientists. And so what we're doing is we're actually setting up projects where the end uh, goal is to produce a scientifically useful data set that doesn't currently exist and isn't going to exist in any way, shape, or form unless people help us build it. And one issue right in Amos's own backyard shows how converting images into data can have a major impact. Well, close to home for us is the issue of mountaintop removal mining for coal. And um, this is the process where the tops of mountains get blown off and pushed into the valleys on either side so that the coal seams can be, um, can be developed. There are thousands of barren scars where the tops of mountains used to be all across the country. And they're not hard to see in satellite photos. But there's been very little scientific research done directly connecting environmental impacts and public health impacts to mining. Uh, until we were able to do a project based on satellite imagery, um, where, again, using the Landsat images now available for free, we went back to the 1970s and we mapped all of the mining activity in Appalachia. They scoured decades' worth of images, looking for the telltale scars of mountaintop removal, and pieced together a map of what mountains had been affected. And once it created and posted this new database, it wasn't long until scientists started using it to study the effects of mining. Several teams of scientific researchers since then have used our data to do these kinds of analyses, looking at any connections between uh, public health outcomes and mining activity, uh, looking at connections between downstream contaminants in streams and drinking water supplies with upstream levels of mining activity. You know, one study that used their data prompted the EPA to revoke a company's mining permit because of downstream pollution. Now, farther out west, SkyTruth is monitoring the health of local wildlife. Now, over the last several years, there's been this huge oil boom across the west, and along with it, an immense amount of supporting infrastructure construction. And, and this is something that a lot of people don't think about when they hear about drilling or fracking, but it's just the... the blunt surface impact of all that construction activity, uh, creating a drilling site that can hold all the equipment and trucks, all the roads for all the traffic and bringing people back and forth. All of that has a, a measurable impact on the landscape and on the ecosystem and on the wildlife that depend on uh, intact, contiguous habitat for their survival. Uh, and we found that mule deer habitat was um, increasingly uh, conflicting with areas of active drilling. Satellite photos alone can't track the deer, but there already exists another database that monitors the deer's behavior. And uh, we're working with wildlife biologists who are doing radio collar tracking of those mule deer. And with the radio collar data, I think they get a signal every 10 minutes from those animals. 
with a cloud of radio collar data, they can reconstruct not only where those animals go, but how much time they spend in certain places. And when they overlay that with the drilling infrastructure extracted from our satellite images, they're finding a very measurable impact of the animals avoiding the areas of drilling activity. What you get is a map showing mule deer scared to come anywhere near the newly constructed roads and oil derricks in what used to be undeveloped wilderness. And science isn't the only endeavor that needs this kind of real hard data. Now, if you want to make policy, you can't have anecdotes that people come and say, well, there just aren't as many deer around here as there used to be. Um, You just can't take regulatory action based on that kind of information. So real data, real science has to be done. Nowhere was this more plain than in 2010 when a massive explosion on BP's Deepwater Horizons drilling platform touched off the worst oil spill in recent memory. There was a lot of controversy uh, for a while about how much oil actually spilled into the water. And this is really important for a couple of reasons. One, you need to know how bad one of these accidents can actually be so that you know what the scale of your response has to be. And then the other thing is... um, the, the fine that the polluter has to pay is based on how much oil goes in the water. The fact that oil floats on top of water is what makes it so damaging, but it's also what makes it possible to track from space. In the case of the BP spill, in the early days of the spill, um, BP was saying, and the Coast Guard was repeating, uh, that uh, the oil coming out of the broken well on the seafloor 5,000 feet down was gushing at a rate of about 1,000 barrels per day. That's actually a pretty shocking number. That's a, that's a pretty large number. That's uh, what the Coast Guard would call a medium oil spill every day that that thing's going. But within the first week of the spill, looking at the size of the oil slick on the surface of the Gulf on satellite imagery, we were able to conclude that the actual rate of flow from that failed well was more like 20 to 25 times greater than BP was saying. And in fact, when government scientists uh, assembled a few weeks later, um, came to their conclusions, uh, they set the amount at actually 50 to 60 times greater than BP had been saying. And again, these numbers have huge real-world impacts. And in the end, what that may mean is billions of additional dollars in restoration funding going to fund projects in the Gulf of Mexico region to help that region recover environmentally and economically from the damages caused by the spill. Raising the awareness of the public can also be as important as putting together a data set. We may have had some hand in um, making people pay attention to the numbers and thinking that the numbers really are important in in, uh, industrial accidents of national significance. The numbers count and that Uh, We have the means of applying science and technology to get some reasonably accurate measurement of those numbers, so why don't we use it? More recently, SkyTruth has started recruiting the public to help look at planet Earth, and specifically at Pennsylvania and the proliferation of hydraulic fracturing, also known as fracking. So we were approached by um, public health researchers at the Bloomberg School of Public Health, Johns Hopkins University, and they wanted to do a study to see if they could identify any possible harm caused by uh, a person living in proximity to a modern gas drilling and fracking operation. The researchers needed to know exactly where oil wells had been built and when, 
but the state had issued over 3,000 permits between 2005 and 2010. So the first step was to figure out where permits had turned into oil wells and which ones were left undeveloped. And we knew we had the data source that could answer the question. This is several years worth of high-resolution aerial survey photography from the Department of Agriculture. However, the sheer number of permitted sites was daunting. If we attempted to automate uh, the feature extraction process of analyzing the imagery to identify a drilling site, we would have enough ambiguity left that we would have to spend so much time reviewing the results that, you know, that we might as well just do it with humans to begin with. They knew they were going to need help. Uh, so we thought, let's queue up a project where we get all the imagery we need to study to answer this question. But instead of just our analysts at SkyTruth doing the work, why don't we share the work and see if anybody will help us do it? So we've set up a series of projects, each one getting increasingly more complicated, uh, and inviting people to join us in looking at imagery and telling us what they see. They called their science crowdsourcing project FrackFinder. Uh, the first phase of the project was to uh, look at imagery where the state had issued a permit to drill a gas well and see if you could see evidence that that well had actually been drilled. And if you could, could you actually see equipment on that site? And um, we had some 90,000 uh, image analysis tasks lined up to complete that project for the state of Pennsylvania. And with some very modest promotion on the project on our Facebook page and through Twitter, um, we attracted over 200 volunteers who banged out all 90,000 tasks in less than a month. So what's next for FrackFinder? So the second phase of the project was to identify open impoundments, uh, which could contain drilling fluids, which could contain volatile chemicals, which might evaporate and cause a respiratory health risk to people living in the area. Um, the, the health researchers want that information. So we asked people to map uh, place X marks the spot on every pond they see near one of these drilling sites that they helped us map. The third phase of the project that's just wrapping up now is, okay, you mapped all the ponds, but that includes farm ponds and natural ponds and, you know, who knows what else not related to drilling activities. So people are right now, as we speak, helping us classify drilling-related ponds from everything else. And once we've got that set of ponds, just drilling ponds, the, the last thing we're going to ask is for people to help us delineate them and turn those into polygons that we can put on a map. And then we'll deliver to the public health researchers a digital map database showing how big the ponds are and when they came into existence. And that's the kind of information that will help them uh, do the studies of public health that they need. Where we'd like to go next? Well, there's um, some 47 or 8 other states in the country that where, where oil and gas drilling is happening. We'd love to do Texas. Uh, it's about 10 times the size of Pennsylvania. We had 90,000 tasks in the first round in Pennsylvania just to identify drilling sites over three years um, to scale this up and build a national map of oil and gas drilling and fracking. We're talking about accomplishing millions of tasks. If you think you want to take part, check out their website at skytruth.org. We also have some of their satellite images and maps at our site, physicscentral.com, plus more podcasts, resources, blog posts, and more. Thanks for listening.